0: Good morning, church family. Today we're uh, wrapping up this series. This is part three of our series on Proverbs, where we've been diving in to talk about the wisdom of God. Now the wisdom of God, as we've talked about in this series, it's not this secret or hidden thing that's reserved just for a few super-Christians. No, the wisdom of God is immensely practical. The wisdom of God is about our relationships, it's about our finances, it's about our work ethic, it's about being honest, it's about justice, it's about all of these things which are a key part of our normal everyday life for everyday believers. And so today I'd like to talk about one main idea and that, that idea is that wisdom is often found in community. Now, this might sound a little bit uh, backwards or contradictory to my message last week. Now, my message last week, for those of you who tuned in to watch, it's that wisdom is crying out in a noisy street, but that no one is hearing wisdom's voice because there's too many other voices. And so wisdom is often found by getting alone and getting into the presence of God for yourself. And so today, I want to present... The other side of the coin, as it were. I'd like to present the other side of the argument, because this is oftentimes how Proverbs works, and this is oftentimes how wisdom works. That when you look at the wisdom of God in the Bible, it's not quite the same as the law of God. See, when you read commandments or the law, it's very black and white, right? Don't don't lie, don't steal, honor your father and mother. These are things that pretty much in every circumstance or in every scenario, these are things that are black and white. It's right and wrong. It's good and bad. There is a a right choice that needs to be made. It's universal. But when we come to the wisdom literature of the Bible, it's not so black and white all the time. In fact, God's wisdom is not so much about you figuring out good and evil as it is about figuring out a a good decision versus a a better decision or a best decision. And so wisdom is oftentimes not black and white. It's it's gray. It's about uh, weighing through decisions, about weighing through situations in life. It's about weighing through relationships. And so oftentimes when we read the Proverbs, It seems like one proverb over here says this, and another proverb over there says something totally different. And the reason for that is because the proverbs of God, the wisdom of God, is not black and white, that it depends on the circumstance that you find yourself in. And so oftentimes what's true in one situation, what's true in one relationship, might not be the best decision for a different relationship that you're in. So let me show you how this is the case here. In Proverbs 26, verse four, you'll see it on the screen. Here's what it says. It says, do not answer a fool according to his folly, or you yourself will be just like him. Now, any of us who've been on Facebook for a little while, you can see quite a few fools out there. And then oftentimes you'll see somebody who tries to rebuke the fool, and they end up getting into some long, complicated argument that has about 82 comments. And the one person who tried to correct the fool ended up looking like a fool themselves, right? So, so the proverb here says, listen, don't even bother correcting a fool. Now the next verse here in verse 5, 26 verse 5, the very next verse, it says, answer a fool according to his folly, or he will be wise in his own eyes. So here the very next verse the writer here of proverbs is telling his audience to do the exact opposite of what he had just said why because this is the way wisdom works that wisdom is often found in the balance of two different truths which seem contradictory But if you and I are to be wise, we have to hold these two truths in tension, and we have to know when it's time to answer a fool and when it's time to not answer a fool. And so I know that was a bit of an extended introduction. I know that was a bit of an extended preface to my whole argument here. But today I'd like to provide the counterbalance to last week's sermon. So, as I said earlier, last week was about how wisdom is found in getting alone in the presence of God. Wisdom is found in cutting off other voices so that you can get alone with God and learn wisdom. And today, I'd like to present, as I said, the other side of that. Because there are many proverbs which talk about how if you are going to be a person of wisdom, It's gonna happen not just because you went up on a mountain by yourself, you went out into the wilderness by yourself. God uses those times, but oftentimes in life, God's voice of wisdom will come to you through your spouse, it will come to you through a relative, it will come to you through a coworker, through a pastor, a mentor, a spiritual mother or father. Oftentimes you and I are searching for wisdom, especially in seasons like this with the virus especially in seasons where there is this global pandemic and everybody's got their perspective. It's in seasons like this where God's wisdom will come to us, not because you and I have the whole picture figured out, but because we're meeting with believers who are looking at it from a different angle. We're meeting with brothers and sisters in the faith, spiritual moms and dads who have been in this thing longer than we have. And so we can gain a collective wisdom that you and I would never have on our own. Here's what Proverbs eleven fourteen 14 says, it says, when there is no guidance, a people falls. But in an abundance of counselors, there is safety. Some translations literally say a multitude of counselors. That, that this isn't just like I met with this one person one time and I learned all the wisdom that God has for me out there in the world. No, that it's in a multitude of, That if you and I want to be somebody who truly walks in the wisdom of God, oftentimes that happens because we are surrounding ourselves with a multitude of counselors, with a multitude of advisors. I'm somebody who likes to be a consistent learner. I like to be a sponge. I'm constantly not just reading and listening to people that I like, but I'm constantly reading and listening and talking to people who have different viewpoints than I do. People who disagree about this or that issue or people who view this or that aspect differently than I do. And it's in that multitude of counselors, it's in that multitude of voices that I find safety. And I, my hope for you and I in this season, it's that this is a season where It seems like everybody has their side, everybody has their tribe, everybody's set in their ways, everything is increasingly polarized, that the middle is shrinking. And yet Proverbs here is telling us that for you and I to be a people of wisdom... It's not gonna be because we listen to those one or two people that agree with us, but that it's actually when we get a multitude of counselors that our plans and our ideas will prosper and God will bless them and that we will succeed. Proverbs 18.1, I love this verse. Here's what it says. Whoever isolates himself, seeks his own desire. He breaks out against all sound judgment that when you isolate yourself that you don't want to hear what other people have to say you're just going to seek your own desire do your own thing that you're going to separate yourself from other voices who who could give you wisdom then he says you are breaking out against all sound judgment that against wisdom against counsel You're going to break out against those things and and go, go it alone. Seek your own desires. Seek your own way. And I can tell you, we live in a culture, especially in the West. America is built on this idea of individualism. We have these sayings in our culture about how you have to follow your dreams and follow your heart and you have to affirm yourself and affirm your value and affirm your worth. And, and I'm not saying there's no value in those things. There is some benefit in that. But we live in a culture where the best kind of person is somebody who looks deep down inside their heart. They know what they want to do. And so it doesn't matter what anybody else says, doesn't matter what their counselors, their advisors, the people who speak into their life, a hero in the West, in our Western culture is somebody who goes after what they want and they assert their own desires, their own dreams, their own plans, their own agendas over against the voices of anybody else. You see, in our culture, in our secular culture, we don't want somebody telling us what to do. We want to be our own boss, right? This is the American dream, that anybody can create something great, that you don't have to be who your parents were or who your grandparents were, or you don't have to be the culture that you were raised in. And there's a lot of benefits to that, don't get me wrong, but one of the weaknesses is that sometimes we can idolize people who isolate themselves we can idolize people who pursue what they want and it doesn't matter what anybody else says i'm gonna do what i feel like i need to do and so despite all of the strengths in that position Proverbs says you have to be careful because when you isolate yourself to seek your own desire you are breaking out against all sound judgment that you are leaving wisdom behind, that you are leaving wise counsel and insight and understanding behind. One translation of this passage says that if you isolate yourself, you seek your own destruction. You're seeking your own end. And so for us as the people of God, it's important that for us to be a people of wisdom, it's going to happen by embracing a lifestyle of community you see in a culture where the individual is God where the individual is the highest authority one of the most radical and revolutionary things that you and I can do is embrace community it's embrace community even when it's hard embrace community even when there's people that we disagree with embrace community when things get messy You see, community sounds like a lot of fun. Community sounds like a great idea. It sounds like this wonderful, nice, cuddly thing until you actually get into relationships with people and you realize that it's really hard. And when I say relationships, I mean any sort of relationship with another person. Could be a friendship, could be a romantic relationship, could be some sort of coworker relationship, could be any sort of family relationship, whatever it might be, could be here in the church. The community sounds really great, but it's really, really hard to do. See, community requires that we sacrifice ourselves. Community requires that we listen to people who think about certain issues very differently than we do. See, the reality is all communities, all relationships are dysfunctional. You know why? Because all people are dysfunctional. There's no such thing as a perfect relationship or a perfect church or a perfect marriage. Why? Because there are no perfect people. And yet, in the wisdom of God, God has decided... The way that God will work on your weaknesses is by introducing people into your life. It's by introducing people who maybe uh, think about a certain issue from a different angle. And that sounds nice and fun until you get into a heated debate with them about it. And yet God is saying that the fact that everybody is different than you, that is the whole point. That if everybody was just like you and agreed like you and thought like you and felt passionately about the exact same things you were passionate about, then you wouldn't grow at all. I wouldn't grow at all. That as much as it sounds fun for everybody to be just like me and agree with Joey Jurgen all the time, I think that'd be great. I'm not sure why God hasn't set that up for me, to be honest. But God knows, if Joey Jurgen is going to become the man that God has called him to be, then he needs people who are radically unlike Joey Jurgen. He needs people who think very differently. You see, that is the, the challenge and the benefit of community. Here's what Proverbs 27:17 says. It says, "Iron sharpens iron, and so one man sharpens another." see, this is the point of community. Yes, it's messy. Yes, it's complicated. Yes, it's confusing. Yes, it's stretching. But that is the point, that it's supposed to be stretching. It's supposed to be challenging. And it's in that place of community where Proverbs says you are being sharpened, where you are being shaped into the image of God. You see, oftentimes, Like the book of Proverbs, there are two or three or multiple truths that we have to hold in tension, that we have to hold in balance. And sometimes as individuals, we hold on to one side of the coin really well. And God will introduce somebody else in community, a spouse, a a fellow church member, a co-worker, who will remind you that there's an other side to that coin, that there's another way to look at this issue. And so it's in that community, I'm telling you, as hard as it is, it's worth it. Church, I'm telling you, if you are ever going to be a man of wisdom, a woman of wisdom, it's gonna happen because you begin to allow different voices to come into your life. You're gonna allow voices into your life that are gonna challenge you. Voices that are going to disagree with you. Here's what Proverbs 27, 6 says. It says, wounds from a friend can be trusted, but an enemy multiplies kisses. What does that mean? It says that, that there's many, many kisses from an enemy. That it, He's basically saying here, it's better to be wounded by a friend than to be kissed by an enemy. He's saying it's better to have a hard conversation with somebody who actually cares about you. It's better to be rebuked or corrected or challenged by somebody who disagrees with you, but they're doing it because they care about you. Better that than a stranger or an enemy who just says a few nice words and probably has an ulterior motive. That friends can be like a a surgeon or a doctor who, who goes in and they sometimes if you have a complicated surgery, they have to cut you open so that they could get into the place where they can bring healing. And that sometimes if if you're not careful you'll you'll refuse the cutting open because it hurts too much and God knows if you are ever going to come to a place of health of healing and wholeness it's going to come first by being wounded by a friend church you and I need to be a people of wisdom and yet God is telling us here that wisdom is found in community wisdom is found in a multitude of voices I want to read a final passage here from 1 Corinthians. And here's why I want to close this whole series with this. The Bible tells us in the New Testament that the ultimate revelation of the wisdom of God can be found in the person of Jesus Christ as the crucified Messiah. Messiah. Here's what first corinthians 18 we're going to read 18 through 25 the apostle paul says for the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing but to us who are being saved it is the power of god for it is written i will destroy the wisdom of the wise the intelligence of the intelligent i will frustrate where is the wise person a stumbling block to the Jews and foolishness to the Gentiles. But to those whom God has called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ is both the power of God and the wisdom of God. For the foolishness of God is wiser than human wisdom, and the weakness of God is stronger than human strength. I want to close here in just a moment, and I'm, I'm wrapping this thing up. The apostle Paul here is telling us that that the message of the cross is absolute foolishness. Think about that for a minute. That the very heart of our religious belief, the very heart of our entire worldview is a foolish message which does not make any sense to the wisdom of this world. He says the Greeks, they're looking for some sort of philosophical wisdom. The Jews are seeking for some sign, some demonstration of power. He says, it doesn't make any sense that how is it that you and I could believe and preach a crucified Messiah, a Messiah who died? How can we announce a message of victory and triumph when our Savior was brutally murdered on the cross? That doesn't look like Wisdom that doesn't look like power. Yet the apostle Paul says here that the weakness of God is greater than all the strength of this world. The foolishness of God is greater than all the wisdom of this world. That you and I are called to be, Jesus says, Paul says, the writers of the New Testament say, that true wisdom is found in embracing foolishness. Jesus said, if you want to find your life, you have to lose it. See, church, you and I do not just believe in a crucified Messiah. No. He says, if you want to follow me, then you too have to take up your cross. You see, church, the way to wisdom, if I can tie this whole sermon together here, the way to wisdom is by joining the community of the crucified. It's by joining the community of those who have decided to leave their old life behind. That is where wisdom is found, church. Wisdom is found in leaving behind your old life. Wisdom is found in admitting that you don't have this thing figured out. That the way to find your life is to lose it. And so if you are going to be wise, that happens by first admitting that you're a fool. First admitting that you and I have no access to the wisdom of God, that we don't understand how this world works. And it's as you and I take up our cross, as we follow Jesus, as we join the community of the crucified, that you and I can come and truly know wisdom for ourselves That you and I come and truly find the wisdom of God revealed in the crucifixion of Jesus. Church, in times like this, we have got to be a people of wisdom. In times like this, the world needs the church to be a voice of wisdom, to be a voice of understanding. And here's what the Bible says. It says, you will find wisdom in community. You will find wisdom in the cross. This is why we are eager to get back together again. And we know that there's struggles and challenges, and it was not a decision that we made lightly. And we know that even when we gather again, not all of you will be able to join us, and we understand that. But you see, we have this call that Jesus has given us to be in community, to join the community of the crucified. And I want to tell you, church, that is the way to wisdom. That is the way that you and I will find wisdom for ourselves. And that is the way that we will communicate wisdom to this world. Church, too many of us we go through life and our lives look exactly like the lives of people out there in the world. We go through the same things, we think the same thoughts, we do pretty much everything the same except we go to church on Sundays now and then. Church, that cannot be what separates us. What, what separates us has to be more than just going to church one day a week. No, what separates us is that we've left our old life behind. That we've given up our rights. We don't demand our privileges. We don't insist on setting all the wrong things right. That we turn the other cheek. That we've given up our life in this world. That we don't pursue our own dreams or agendas. And I'm telling you, the world looks at that and it will see foolishness it will see like we are wasting our lives. How could you waste your life on that? You only have one life to live. But Jesus showed us that even though the cross looks like foolishness to the world, it is actually the wisdom of God in action. And as you and I join the crucified community, as we take up our cross, as the old hymn says the world behind me and the cross before me that as we embrace that lifestyle of foolishness you and I will find wisdom in the people of God and it's as this crucified community that you and I can show this world what real wisdom looks like that even though it looks like foolishness to those who are being saved, the cross is the wisdom and power of God. You see, church, if we're gonna communicate wisdom to this world, it's not just gonna be because we shout over everybody on Facebook. It's gonna be because as a community, we model the wisdom of God, even when it looks like foolishness to the world. But our responsibility is not to pretend like we have it figured out and to give answers to everybody's problems. Our responsibility is to take up the cross. And as we take up the cross and as we live in community, and as we share the good news of this foolish Messiah, the Spirit will do the calling. And to those who are called, they will find wisdom in the cross. Church, I want to thank you here as I close. And I know I said I'm closing like five times by now. It's an old preacher trick. It buys you a few more minutes. Here as we close this time together and really even just this season of where our church has been at, things are going to change. We're going to slowly begin to go back to normal. And I want to encourage you, whatever God did in you in this season, whatever it looked like for you, carry whatever wisdom you learned in this season onto the next season. Let's not rush to get back to the busy day-to-day and the chaos and all the other things that we just go back to normal. I'm not sure exactly what it is God has taught you in this season, but I know he's taught me some things. And so my hope and prayer for you as we slowly transition back to normal life, that we don't totally go back to the way things used to be. That you and I can carry on with the wisdom of God that we've learned in this season.